0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, the executive pastor of Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. Hello, Darren. Hi, Mo. And How are you? I'm good. And we have our special guest back again this week by popular demand. Our friend and author Donna Van Leer is joining us. She uh, was able to teach us and lead us this past Sunday, and so it just made sense to bring her back uh, to join us again this week. So, thank you, Donna.
1: Well, thank you, guys.
0: And we are spread out, um, a little bit today. Uh, Darren is in Charleston visiting family. Um, Donna is across town and I'm across the other side of town. And so we are doing this, uh, via a phone call and a zoom call. And so I uh, just give us a little bit of grace today on the audio. And, uh, but regardless, we are still excited to be together today. Yeah, it's funny. The um, We have been doing Zoom because we had to do Zoom, right, because of uh, pandemic requirements. And now we're just doing it because we just happen to not be in the same city. So, you know what? I have nothing else that aw- awakened the idea in us that we don't have to postpone a recording because we're in separate cities. And I might add this uh, as a guy who's 49 years old, it feels like I'm going back to AM radio. Uh, like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit,
1: right? <laughs> it sounds a little bit like AM radio right here.
0: <laughs> it does. I keep waiting for, like, people to call in, like, Rush Limbaugh to blow a gasket or something. Like, this is, like, it just feels very AM. So, for those of you kids out there <laughs> listening to this, this is how we used to have to listen to audio. So, all that stuff that you just take for granted, this is, like, what it felt like in the 90s and the 80s to listen <laughs> the radio. But yeah, it's a little wait. bit of a throwback today. Donna taught Sunday morning. She taught from Revelation two. Uh she focused in on Pergamum and then managed to literally so here's how good this was on Sunday. I'm teaching the children while getting proactive text messages from in the service going, Darren, this is so good. This is so great. This is so you get you're not gonna believe this. So um First of all, Donna, uh, that makes me just a tiny bit insecure, but also very excited that you did so well. And we wanted to go back into the deeper side of this with these, there's three churches here in, in Revelation chapter two, and, and you touched on them, but you obviously, you sort of parked in, in Pergamum a little bit. But what if we go back to just the beginning of Revelation two to the church at Ephesus um, itself? Um, a church that actually most people would know because we have a book called, in the Bible, the book of Ephesians, like the Ephesus mm-hmm. church. But this book, uh, this letter to this church specifically, uh, I don't know, it was kind of inspiring to me. What, what are your initial thoughts what, as far as you think about what John, what well, what Jesus, I should say, is saying to the church at Ephesus?
1: Well, his the, the first words out of his mouth are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And the word for hold there means to hold authoritatively. And oh. so the messengers are held by Jesus. They belong to him. And he has authority among the churches then, just as he does today. And But what I love about the Church of Ephesus, because that represents, uh, in the church age, that represents the apostolic age. And that's when there was just this widespread evangelism. I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ was was going out across the land, and it was all from Jewish converts who were looking for Jesus. They took him at his word. He said, I'm going to return. And they took his word for that. They were looking for him and they took that and they ran with it. They had that contagious belief that he was going to come back in their lifetime. So, and it's interesting because I heard, uh, I heard one pastor say that it, it is through, it's always through the, the Jewish converts where the message of the gospel spreads um, faster and quicker than when the Gentiles take over. Huh. Was, there was a, just a wide spread of the gospel at that time. And when you think about it, the, the gospel is going to spread again through Jewish converts through the 144,000 in Revelation. Wow.
0: I just had a conversation an hour ago with Katherine Vanderbeek, who will be with us uh, next week on our podcast. She's a, uh, Jewish, she's Messianic. And by the way, whenever she would refer to the nation, she would refer to Israel as the land and the rest of us as the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like a real interesting twist for me, because when we uh, grow up in America, we think going on to all the nations, I, that makes the, us ground zero and that makes everything else the nations. But that's not what Jesus meant at all. Jesus, ground zero was Jerusalem even, right? Not just Israel, but Jerusalem. Right. Right, Right. and so when they went into the nations, we in the United States are a nation of the nations. Mm -hmm. But you're right. This was Ephesus. This wasn't in Jerusalem. This was them going into the nations.
1: Right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were going into all the world, and and Jesus, he commended them. He says, "I know your deeds, I know your hard work, and your and your perseverance," and he was commending them for their faithful service, which is. I mean, which gives us comfort knowing that he records our faithful service. Is it taking care of the kids every Sunday? Is it being a part of the hospitality team? Is it going to see um, and visit the homeless? What is that? That's our faithful service. and, And Jesus recognizes that. But he also commends them because they tested those who called themselves apostles and they found them false. So they were rooting out false teachers, which is a message to us today. (laughs) They were rooting out false teachers. Yeah, right. But is the church doing that today?
0: Uh, yeah i would uh it depends on which church we're talking about because if we're talking about the one in uganda they're rooting them out uh like crazy right. there <laughs> we're right. we're giving them uh rate we're giving them book deals uh in america
1: yeah. <laughs> right um, exactly <laughs> yeah, but I, jesus I, does <laughs> say that you know you abandon your first love and that's interesting because they have this this fire, this fervency for evangelism. And Jesus says, but I have this against you. You abandoned the love that you had at first, which tells us that service to God had become a chore. Mm. It it wasn't as beautiful. It wasn't as passionate as it once was. It was almost like they were doing it out of duty, something they had to do rather than something that they got to do.
0: Yeah. And when you say that, you know, it's, one of the things that we know is that the ch- there's so much in each one of these letters one is that it represents prophetically and a part of the church age but something else is that each name of the church actually had to do with the the message to the church and the word Ephesus means um darling like it's a word for like you would you know darling a wife like it's a it's a, a, a love uh word and And you're right like that's sort of the language that's happening here is like you know anybody that's been married for a length of time um my wife and i are at the quarter century mark of marriage you know that you go through these uh seasons of it right and but what he's drawing a picture of is going back to the first love of when you were first married your first love of, of this early church i mean i I'm guessing there would have been some people, even Ephesus, who, you know, if they didn't know Jesus personally, would have known somebody who knew him personally, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's a message, by the way, for us at Conduit. I mean, I think that's worth us mentioning that um, the devotion and love that we need for Christ uh, is more important than the duty that we perform on behalf of him, because you can get burned out in the mission field doing something good, but if you're not doing it out of that love, and the same way with my marriage, I I can do things, I can take out the trash, I can do the dishes, I can do all this stuff out of duty. That is not love to my wife uh, at all. It's just me just doing something. And there's a message there for for this church that I think, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know what, I mean, think about it. This is like an early church, right? So it it didn't take them long (laughs) to already fall out of that, you know?
1: Yeah, hey, hey, to get burned the, out.
0: Yeah, but the good news, we can go back. Like, that's the good news of this. We don't have to be this way. We can actually go back and return to that love that we had at first. And I, I say for me personally, it's one of the conversations we've been having in the elders meetings. I've been praying about our own church is you know there's just things in my early faith that when i was young in the lord that i really miss about it which one of it is just the expectation mm-hmm. you know when i pray just that th- this personalness of that relationship that i uh what i miss and have desired and sought and continue to and so i i think that this letter for this church absolutely mattered to them to not fall away in this church in ephesus um and i think that when we go to uh the the next one this next church in smyrna so you know the early church these guys were the trailblazers they were hardcore you're right plowing into all the nations doing it and they just jesus said don't forget why we're doing this and the Mm -hmm. next letter right is this church in Smyrna, not the one on Sam Ridley Parkway, uh, north of <laughs> Murfreesboro, but the Church of Smyrna, which means suffering, right? That's the name itself. It, it comes, um, the word Smyrna in, in Greek is like suffering in, in the Hebrew context. The Hebrew word is where we would get the word myrrh from, mm-hmm. like which is this people, Bible people would recognize this. frankincense, gold, and myrrh, it was a burial spice, it was an anointing oil, it was uh, a perfume, it's mentioned all over in scripture. What many people don't know is the way that it was made was by being crushed. Like it was in the crushing of this spice that the scent became beautiful. And this church represents the church right after the early, church, which would be, I don't know. Maybe, John, you've got the dates in front of you. I don't, but this would be like the one that maybe John was writing the book of Revelation from, right, in the late eighty, eighty, ninety into the first century.
1: Right. I've heard it go as early as 54 AD, and some people say, oh, it started around 100 AD, that actual per- persecution where it got really violent against the church, and it went to about 312 AD but it was interesting what you were saying about myrrh because they would use it to cover up the smell of death and this was the persecuted church where millions of them lost their lives and so they were they were being crushed um in this persecution and like like I talked about on Sunday, they were burned at the stake, they were boiled in oil, they were covered in tar and lit up as human torches. They were fed the lions in the in the amphitheater. Um but this you know just like you were saying, their martyr martyrdom was a was a sweet smell to to God and he honors their love and sacrifice. He has no condemnation for this church.
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Like, if you're going to be one of the churches getting a letter from Jesus, this is the only one of the seven where he doesn't say, but you kind of Mm -hmm. need to get your act together on this. Right. Like, he just says kind things to them. And a church that specifically was in a... uh, And I find this interesting. Financially so this is like chuck missler 101 so if anybody's a chuck missler fan and if you're not you really should be but he he says that you know Ephesus was a political center uh pergamos a religious center but smyrna was a financial center of the roman empire like there's a huge financial uh, uh influence there and, and it's interesting because it's this is here where in, uh, in smyrna you are poor Yet yeah, you are rich, and then we're going to get to Leo to see in a little bit where he says you are rich, but you are poor. And, and so I looked at this church, and, and I say all of that to say this: I've been on the phone all week. Mo knows this because Mo's busy helping send money out to churches in countries like Kenya and Nepal, and the churches that are very poor uh, that we're helping financially. But I'm telling you, they're rich with faith. They're rich with hope. And I pray that as a church in Tennessee, that especially Mo, who runs the—I mean, Mo runs the numbers for the church. He's the guy in the middle of the financial center of it all, and does a killer job. By the way, that's why our church is so safe financially because Mo, uh, you know, makes it happen. But that we will that that could be our message to us that we even the like i don't want to be the church that later to see it we're going to get there soon enough i don't want to be the one that's rich that, that, that is poor i want to hold on to this and i feel like one of the ways we do that is by maintaining such a tight relationship with those brothers and sisters who are in suffering um in in ways like in nepal i never hear them complain i get these messages from india and nepal and there's there's intense persecution And they're just praying and praising God, and they're so just thankful. And, uh, you know, you get those emails, and you're like, wow, I want to be more like them. And so, you know, I I don't know. I want to be like Smyrna. I want to to smell good to Jesus. I don't want to Mm -hmm.
1: smell
0: offensive to him. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: And, you know, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned their their poverty, and I heard someone say one time that the churches of the first three centuries were marked by material poverty but spiritual power, whereas mm. the churches today are marked by material wealth but spiritual weakness
0: yeah, wow mm-hmm. Mo. what were you mo you were getting ready to say something well the the end of verse nine is uh, is interesting, where he, he, uh, identifies it as a synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, those are strong words, Mm -hmm. um, that are kind of juxtaposition to what he's, he's saying. Um, he goes on to obviously talk about, you know, uh, there will be persecution, but do not fear. Um, but just that phrase synagogue of Satan, uh, is that sits heavy a little bit.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there's no mincing there's no mincing of words there yeah uh, which you, know, you w- know tells go ahead Donna. tells us that yeah tells us that I- I- any any church that preaches a gospel other than the gospel of, Je- of jesus is a synagogue of satan that's what jesus would call it
0: wow i was um i was reminded so my wife and i last year were super blessed uh, by the way this for, to all you young pastors out there i'm going to give you some advice right now if anyone ever says to you hey if we fly you to italy to do our daughter's wedding would you do it the answer is <laughs> yes okay I, you know i don't know if i need to write a book on that or a blog but just in case <laughs> that ever happens to you just so you know so that happened to shannon and i last year and we're like i mean you know do i need to pray about this first i don't think so so um But we had a few days extra there. And so one of the things I always wanted to see was Pompeii, uh, which is this fascinating look at some of this exact time in history and this uh, volcano Vesuvius that erupted. But something that I didn't know that I learned with our little tour guide there, who was not a Christian, I might add, uh, that during that time, an AD 80, I think it is, (laughs) somewhere in that area, 65, 70, 80, when Pompeii happened and Vesuvius and there was a plague of pestilence that erupted through uh, Italy, through Rome, through the Roman Empire, that was killing up to ten thousand people a day. And one of the reasons why Nero was persecuting Christians, that it's it's pretty common that people think, well, there, there were the fire and so he blamed the Christians uh for for starting that great fire in in rome and and yes he did do that but one of the things he basically found the christians to be the convenient punching bag for whatever he needed to punch about this time it was there was a pestilence in rome killing ten thousand people a day and he blamed christians as part of that their way of living they were living in uh, close-knit communities They were in, uh, because what you said is right, Donna, they were so poor, they lived in what we would refer to as ghetto together, and that spread the disease. And man, it is not lost on me that whether it's the New York Times, whether it's the Atlantic or the governor of California, that Mm -hmm. they want us as Christians to stop meeting the way that we're doing this, we meet, because we're the ones that that will spread the virus because of singing zero mention of what's happening with protests and with riots uh, around the country. There's nobody uh, that's saying, hey, along with the riots, along with whatever the church is, they've so zeroed it out. And I say that not out of fear, but I just wanted to read these words to the church at uh, Smyrna, to the church at of, of of America, maybe to just the Church of Conduit. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil might put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer persecution for ten days, and I guess we really don't have time to even go into that. But but uh, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown, and. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that in the United States that we are there yet. Okay. But I promise you in AD 40, that is not where they thought they were going either in the church, in the early church, uh, that, that church at <laughs> Ephesus letter there nobody was going, Hey, I bet this will spin out of control. <laughs> mm-hmm. This will go crazy, but and we don't know that. I mean, my prayer, just so you know, like I'm all for Jesus coming back, like right now, interrupt this podcast for all I care. Um, We'll finish it on the other side, right? But <laughs> but what we have to know is that for some reason for this season, our church in America has not been persecuted and we are the exception and not the rule throughout the mm-hmm. history of the church. It has always been and when you think to that, just the demonic nature of it alone, um, Franklin Graham sets up a hospital, uh, I mean, a freaking hospital in the middle of Central Park to give away the services to people, and he is persecuted for it. Yeah, politics aside, I don't know. I, I don't know Franklin. I don't know anything about him. All I know was that a group of Christians sat up a, a hospital and they were persecuted for it. I know that that is crazy talk on any planet. That's crazy. Um, And to us to say to the church here, I don't know the future. I don't know what's happening. I know that's different and it feels different than it's ever felt in my lifetime, but the word of the Lord for them is the word of the Lord for us. Don't be afraid for my brothers and sisters, because you guys, maybe I think you know this, but we do have people listening in other countries. We have our friends listening in North Africa and in, iraq and iran and i think the word of the lord for you guys is don't be afraid jesus is in the lampstand i love the idea what well, you said don about it. he holds it with authority but i'm reminded mm-hmm. that his hands have holes in them right that the, the hands of john that you are safe in my hands i'm not going to let you fall out of them That that is a promise for us it doesn't fit very well with the prosperity gospel. Um, which is kind of, uh, if you're a prosperity gospel person, that's kind of a bummer. But if you're a truth person, this fits very well with uh, of what happens. And and, and I'm going to, we'll get right to Pergamon, But look, I'll say this. Um, Hebrews talks about those who were persecuted to the point of death, that they first um, are, are those of whom this world was not worthy, is what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11. And then it, it talks about that they received a better resurrection. 100 percent. i don't know what that means i feel mm. like resurrection in general that's a winner i'll take it but i think there's something to do there's this crown specifically for those who have been persecuted to this point that if it, maybe i'll put it this way if jesus says it's a reward by goodness we better believe it's a reward i don't know what it is but it'll be to the point where i'm not going to look back like i don't think james right who was the first of the disciples who was martyred 2000 years later is going, well, that really sucked. I wish that didn't happen. I, whatever it is, he's going, that was amazing. And I, I would have done it all over again. And so hold on to hope, even in our pandemic moment right now, hold on to hope that whatever is happening, we are all safe in the hands of Jesus. Did anybody want to add anything? I know I just basically preached a mm-hmm. sermon and rambled. We can edit that out in post, right? We'll <laughs> you no. Know? <laughs> random totally random fun fact is that there are 37 cities towns or villages in the u.s named
1: smyrna well that I is a random it. fun fact thank you mo
0: that is a random <laughs> fun fact as a guy I used, to, I used to live in one of them man i was at smyrna like right off of sam ridley parkway when there was nothing but a catfish house and then some like some rednecks uh Another fun fact, we actually moved from there. Oh, this is probably going to be offensive. Oh, who cares? Uh, We moved from there. I I would take Maddie to uh, my daughter, Maddie. We would go to McDonald's every Sunday or Saturday. I read the paper, whatever. And I realized she's four or five years old. All of a sudden, she is talking like a like a real Southern girl, she, that <laughs> Daddy, that man just fell down a hill, I'm like hill. <laughs> who are who are you? So I'm like, oh, because you're spending more time at school than with me, you're going to end up being a little Southern girl. So we we sold our house immediately and moved over uh, into <laughs> Franklin, anyway. There. Um, that uh, the Church of Pergamum, the third church.
1: Yeah, well, um, you, you know, it's interesting. With the, the Church at Ephesus, was this was this just this fervent evangelism, and then it's interesting because it's like Satan had to he had to figure out a tactic, so so he began oh. the persecution. With this church at Smyrna, but he real, but he again had he had to change tactics again because persecution wasn't working. The church was still growing; it was still spreading. Even uh, Polycarp, who was eighty-six years old there in Smyrna, they burned him at the stake, and he would not deny Christ no matter what they did. These Christians wouldn't deny Christ, so so Satan had to change tactics and. And so the persecution lessened at the end of that time, at the end of what what like around three hundred and twelve AD or something like that. It started to to lessen and he had to change his tactics a little bit. And then we enter into the church of Pergamum, which actually means elevated or or marriage. And I talked about how they were they were um they were making compromises at Pergamum. Um Mo mentioned Ah, uh, Balaam, I think before we even um, started re- recording today, uh, back in the Old Testament and the the people of Israel, they were they were intermarrying with pagans, they were getting involved in idol worship. And so that's what Pergamum was starting to do as well. And so they had kind of been elevated to a place of acceptance in society, and it declined in spiritual power, and there was also this hierarchy that I had mentioned, and it was more like, well, let's create this hierarchy where we will tell you what to think, and we will tell you what to believe, leaving nothing for, uh, you know, a born-again experience for the person.
0: So, help me here, Donna, and if you don't know this, that's Okay, although I will be shocked if you don't. Is this like, would this have been like Constantine period? Like when all of a sudden he makes, uh, relig- Christianity is okay now, the official religion of Rome. Is it starting around that time?
1: Yeah, yes, exactly. Because Constantine declared the empire to be Christian. Um, before 600 AD, he he proclaimed it to be Christian. So it was like, well, anybody in your household is Christian. There, there was no, there was no um, again, there was nothing on the individual to come to Christ by himself because there was this hierarchy. And all of that began there at that church uh, in Pergamum. And we mentioned the, uh, the Nicolaitans, which uh, ironically, Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And here we see in Pergamum that that they were developing those same beliefs that the Nicolaitans were the food offered to uh, and sacrifices offered to idols. there was this separating of their physical and their spiritual life, giving them a license to sin. you could do anything you wanted to sensually, sexually, but you could still call yourself a Christian. And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't say all of you. He says some, uh, some of you there, some. So it, it certainly wasn't the whole church, but enough that this was causing right. the problem.
0: Yeah. Enough that you're going to get a letter from Jesus, right? Like if that's, uh, we get a letter from Jesus, that means right. that, that we, we, we might ought to pay attention you just right. said something that I was intrigued by. That I so much that I wrote it because I don't want to miss it. That, that, that we will tell you what to believe, like what's okay to believe, what's not okay to believe. Like, was, mm-hmm. could you expound on that a little bit?
1: Well, they started just mixing with these pagan practices that had no roots in the Bible at all, and that carried on through the centuries, and we still see them today. We still see some churches who practice customs, and you can't find it in the Bible anywhere. And hmm. Jesus was saying, I hate that. I hate it because you're not you're not listening to me. You're not listening to my word. You're pulling in all of these pagan customs and calling it okay. Like, for example, um, last rites, that's nowhere in the Bible, but that has its roots in pagan customs. Um, the Vestal Virgins, Again, it's not in, in the, the Bible. Vestal,
0: the Vestal Goodmans? What did you just say?
1: <laughs> no. No, not the Happy Goodman family. No, no. Oh, okay. No. I'm
0: sorry. Just no, making sure vestal, that we understand
1: <laughs> The Vestal Virgins had their uh had their roots in ancient paganism and that well that developed into uh you know women just living their lives uh, without being being married and that's nowhere in scripture. So we still see churches and faith today that are, and they may not even know it, that they're rooted in ancient paganism. And Jesus's actual words are, I hate it. I hate it that you do that. And, and again, the dividing of the physical life from the spiritual life. And I've known people who have been able to do that my entire life. I had a friend just a couple years ago, and he said, I don't think God really cares who we have sex with. And I said, where do you find that in the Bible? (laughs) Where is that? (laughs) Because I don't know where that is. And and the Nicolaitans, they were somehow able to separate their physical life from their spiritual life. And Jesus said, I hate it. I hate it that you're doing that.
0: It's interesting that, that the teaching, because it says in verse 14, I believe it is, where it says that the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak, who was a king of Israel, to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. And it's referring to Numbers 15 when it's talking about Balaam's donkey, um, the Old Testament story when the donkey, or as us King James kids used to say, Balaam's ass. That was one of the only times we were allowed to come (laughs) and and look at that is an argument for king james only that i they never make that argument right if i were making a king james only argument the language (laughs) opportunities that it opens up are pretty strong so balaam's ass yeah i mean so balaam's donkey uh was was (laughs) speaking back to uh, speaking back to him, and it's it's a whole story in in the, in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. It's the same Balaam that's being referred to in Revelation. Um, it's just it's just good to have some context there because that that story is is has a lot of um, that is carried over through the years in terms of what transpired between Balaam and Balak, right? And some of the customs that were carried through, right? And if you go back to that. Okay, all the prophecy, all the sailing, whatever, none of it worked, but wait, like, what was it that actually worked that caused Israel to stumble? And it was prostitutes. Like it was, okay, look, none of this is working, but I'm gonna entice you through sexual immorality. And we humans are pretty predictable when it comes to that. Like that's what it was then. It's what it was in Pergamum in uh, this letter this day. And I would add that it's what it is today. And here's why I'm going to say this um, because we, so Mo, okay, we'll put it this way. Mo this week blew my mind so bad that I actually had to sit down and grab my chair for a second. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Um, if, if you guys haven't. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, first of all, Donna, to set this up, can you give us a quick history of Pergamum, the throne of Satan, and Germany?
1: In verse 13, Jesus twi- twice refers to, this, to Pergamum as the place where Satan has his throne or where Satan lives. And it, it is said that, you, well, of course, Satan is not omnipresent like God, so he can't be everywhere at once he can only be one place at a time so in the old testament it is said that he was in babylon because that is where um that's where idolatry gained its momentum through nimrod and his mother and just it was just satanic and it was it was just spreading and so jesus says here in revelation 2 that satan's throne is in pergamum he says it twice that's where Satan's throne is. And the word throne there describes a chair for the Lord or the master of the house. So what Jesus is saying is that Satan was at home in Pergamum. He was comfortable. He was comfortable there. And the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. And so Pergamum was in, inspired by Satan. It was a, it was a dark and Erie City. Uh, you, we can't get into everything that I covered on Sunday. Sure. But it's but a, they can it go was back a dark and, yeah. place.
0: And they can go back and listen to that uh, mm-hmm. podcast because um, it is available. Because it did, it turned out that that throne that was then removed that Hitler himself. Right. Am I getting this right? And wanted it moved to New
1: It was it was unearthed that that throne of Satan, the altar of Zeus was unearthed. It was it was shipped back to Germany because the man who found it was a German archaeologist shipped it back to Germany, they put it back together, cleaned it up, shined it, and made a building for it, had people come in and admire it and ooh and aah over it. World War I broke out. It was the rise of right. Nazism, the, the rise of Hitler. And I think, I think we can safely say that the throne of Satan was there in Berlin at that time. And he and, had full possession of his man Hitler at that time,
0: right? And what did Hitler do? Tell you what to think. Tell you what to believe. Tell you mm-hmm. it, zero. And of course, the anti-Semitism was everywhere. Um, it, which and is his demonic, final the
1: solution, right? His yeah. final solution was completely from it was completely satanic. It, it came from the Greek word holocauston, meaning a wholly burnt animal sacrifice, which is what they did on the altar of Zeus. They offered up humans as sacrifice to the Greek and Roman gods at that time. And at, and right there on that newly rebuilt, uh, newly imagined altar of Zeus that was created for Hitler, because it was created for him for his rallies, and at his Nuremberg rally is where he used the words for the first time, final solution, about how to get rid of the Jews. So they became six million Jews became his Holocaust and became his holy burnt sacrifice during right.
0: World War Two. And I am convinced, okay, Satan is there's nothing new under the sun in with 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 Satan. And when the Bible speaks of familiar spirits. It's like you just see something that just happens over and again throughout history. And just not that long ago, after Hitler's final solution was uh, was undone, there was another uh, pergamum that, uh, again, so if if it's about telling you what to believe, there's a part of that, which, by the way, even Nicolaitans, we're going to rule over the people. That's what the word... Nico, laitin, mean Nico, meaning victory, laitin, where we get our word people. Uh, It's actually, uh, the the Latin, I think, is where uh, Nike gets its word from out of Nico, victory over the people. If that's what they were doing then, and that's what Hitler was doing through his writing, through Mein Kampf, through propaganda, then there's another guy that just showed up recently in history that if you have had any... uh, If you've watched any sort of news at all, Uh, a guy named Jeffrey Epstein has been floating around as a pedophile, okay, again, mixing, perversion, sexual perversion. Uh, And just this week, and obviously, uh, look, I I don't, I don't even know what to say about Netflix anymore. I keep canceling it and then uncanceling it because something else comes (laughs) on, I'm going to watch and I'm like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm perking. I don't know. but. They just released a documentary about Jeffrey Epstein like maybe a month ago. So this is not like one of the YouTube videos that keeps getting banned because of false information. OK, this is a uh, an organization that should say that we don't want any part of this. But they it's so crazy uh, that the, the perversion and there's a guy uh, named Jeffrey Epstein. He was suicided in a prison. Even Netflix is saying uh, there's probably no way that guy was uh, uh, there's no way that guy committed suicide. Um because of the powerful people that he affected. But then Mo blows my mind telling me that this lady tell tell us about Giselle and what and, and what what you discovered this week. Well, yeah. So Jeffrey Epstein, billionaire socialite. He's running this uh pedophile trafficking ring with uh with his kind of his life partner. Um they were never married, but kind of a life partner and handler named Jelaine Maxwell. And you can, you know, Wait, you can Twitter search what's what? Yeah, the name? Jelaine. Oh, Jelaine. I wanted it to be Giselle, so it's what? It's not. <laughs> okay, it's not. So Jelaine Maxwell, you can search her on your own. Um, there's there's a lot going on there. She had ju- has just been arrested like two weeks ago, maybe ten days ago, um, in connection with this. Uh, sex trafficking, pedophile ring. And and it pops up this week. Her father, uh, Robert Maxwell, owned a massive uh, publication uh, company uh, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and his, his name's Robert Maxwell. The company that he, they owned was called Pergamon Press. Of all the names to name your publication. Pergamon Press. <laughs> he names it. Pergamon press. Now what's interesting about Robert Maxwell is that he uh, he's an he's an Orthodox Jew. He was born in eastern Czechoslovakia uh, in the early nineteen hundreds. Um, and ends up establishing residency in England, then sets up, you know, shop in New York City, runs this massive empire of media, science, math, history, kind of controlling the narrative as it were for for a long time for probably forty years or so um and there's there's a lot of scandal around this family um and again fast forward a little bit later he he ends up passing away in the early nineties and of all places is buried in the mount of olives whoa yeah his gravestone is in the mount of olives there's uh <laughs> there's reason to believe he was a not just a double agent but a triple agent for uh, for Mossad um, the Israeli kind of CIA uh, as well as mi six which is Britain's CIA version um, and the Russian KJB this I mean you know you don't have to really search very far to find all this this is all public records all basically public knowledge but you talk about a uh, someone in the intelligence industry and in the press media um, with the name of Pergamon, it's just its just kind of a mind bender to connect all the mm-hmm. dots here in yeah. 2020. And I guess I come back and we'll end with kind of this thought, um, but what we're experiencing now with Pergamum, if, in, in my experience right now, the legacy media of the United States especially, but across the, the world, legacy media right now seems to me to be where a lot of the power of what we are allowed to and not allowed to say, controlling it. And so quote unquote victory over the people means that if we are, you and I say that uh, sex should be between a man and a woman, right? Then that, that Jesus does care who you have sex with. Right. That that's a, that is been now labeled as hate speech. That and it in the press itself, not to demonize every journalist out there i don't believe that is true. There are really good journalists doing really good work out there, but right now it, it is the media that is controlling one hundred percent of the narrative. It is the media that is dividing our country and dividing the world. It is split almost down the middle as it relates to uh conservative versus uh liberal and by the way both of those that um, neither of them are, are representing jesus right so jesus is not is neither of those jesus and so for us to to let them tell the story to have the power over us i think you know is, is it a stretch to say that you know pergamum presses the uh the yeah that's not i'm not saying any of that at all i'm just saying that there's this familiar spirit that even to the point now we're in america they're is a man that is now dead who is, there is, nobody's even debating whether this guy was sexually abusing teenage girls. Nobody's debating whether or not powerful political figures, powerful, rich and wealthy uh, entrepreneurs and lawyers were part of this scandal. And nobody's saying anything about it because the media is telling us, and that's how they're getting power over the people with us today or or attempting to and in our current climate one of the things i'm grateful even for podcasting format right now is somebody get mad at us um but they're not going to fire us uh they can't cancel us for this we can continue to tell these stories and and we have seen obviously uh there was literally golly it just happened this uh, there's a revival breaking out in minneapolis where where a lot of the, the protests were and there's this worship leader from California went and they're baptizing people and they were, uh, leading people to Christ. And I, I read this stuff. He didn't say anything controversial and Instagram mm. was pulling down his posts as violation of community standards, mm. 100% persecution of a, a Nicolaus and a power over the people by controlling what we hear, uh, through the media. And so, I think that uh, for us as Jesus people that we um, a, we're not going to live in fear, like at all. Uh, well, we're know, Karen, remember, I, well, Go ahead, John. I, I,
1: well, I had uh, said in an interview, it was, it was a few months ago, but I had said just kind of offhand, I said we are one election away from the church being told what to do. And, Either that be a federal election or a state election. And I got great pushback from the interviewer (laughs) who thought that was crazy. But it's very true. We're only one election away from the government coming in. And they're already trying to do it in in California. They're already coming in and saying, this is what you have to do. We're only one election away from them coming in and telling churches what to do. And so it could be sometime in our lifetime that we go back to being that, that early church. We go back yeah. to meeting out of our homes and having that great spiritual fervor and fire. And that may be what it takes to, to wake up the church. And one of these messages to the churches, I can't remember, but Jesus actually says, wake up. He tells them that wake up and he tells um he tells church at ephesus two times to repent he tells the church at pergamum to repent judgment always begins with the church
0: if Uh, you remember
1: with with jeremiah judgment began in the house of the lord he said Mm -hmm. my wrath is coming here comes my judgment go to the temple first because that's where that's where it is starting and so judgment always begins there and jesus this word is alive it's active the bible is a breathing living document and that's what his message is to the church today it is repent he's asking that of individuals and he's asking that of churches repent
0: yeah and the and the message right verse 17 chapter 2 Whoever has the ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church, to the one who is victorious, right? Not the Nicolaitans, but uh, like the ones who are victorious in Christ. I will give some of the hidden manna. Mm. And I will also give that person a, a white stone. And you said that on Sunday, Donna, you said um, the, the, the sentence, that means no matter what wilderness we find ourselves in, there will be manna from Jesus to
1: sustain
0: yes. us. That's right. And I think that where we are as a church, you're right, it might be, uh, we might be getting the answers, uh, the prayers of the Chinese believers that have prayed for the U.S. church for decades. Lord, Mm -hmm. let them be persecuted. Um, They've been praying for that because of, uh, they know what it's done for them. You know, now look, that's not my prayer because I'm Mm -hmm. still a human and I still but maybe I would say where I'm at now at 49 is I'm finally at a place where I would say, okay, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Uh, that you are in control, the sovereignty of it all, the, the, the illusion of my control is, is I'm willing to give that up. Um, mostly, uh, because I finally found that it's just true. I literally am not in control of this and to give that back to, uh, to him. And, and we're going to stop with Pergamum today. We'll get to Thyatira, um, it coming up I just for the sake of us today know that this is these letters are real uh, mm-hmm. these messages of Jesus to repent are, are real and repent just simply means change your mind change your heart go back to him go which means you know the, the very first letter go back to where you started remember from where you've fallen and go back there and the challenge that I have for us uh, as a church uh, those that are listening now is let's go back to that. Um, and, and listen to him in that way so to, to be, because it's the grace of that is so awesome because he doesn't say, Hey, keep working really, really, really hard. And then you're going to be saved. He's like, no, 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 Go back to what you first started. Go back to that first love. Remember from where you'd fallen. go back there. And to us as, as Jesus people, I would say that's a message that Revelation has for us today. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise in media. And I I just want the rushing waters of Jesus's voice to drown all of that out for us uh, so that we can, we can sustain. I mean, we have, uh, we have a savior that's coming soon. Maybe today, I want to be a part of that church that is found, uh, that is found faithful, that is found
1: victorious, not through our works, but through his works. Any other parting thoughts from you guys before we let everybody go? I think we covered it all today well look
0: i appreciate it you guys and again the am quality of this audio uh i pray that the spirit of god is stronger than the quality of the audio um i just felt it was important to get this out before i'm i won't be back to our little home studio until friday i just felt that this message was way more important than that um if you are uh listening to this now mo how can they like uh, spread the word on on the podcast and, and get other people involved in what we're doing they can always share it um, on their socials. Of course, you can find us at conduitchurch.com and you can find us by just searching uh, the word conduit, either at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, We are pretty easy to find on the socials. And if you would subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on Apple music podcasts or on Spotify, uh, that will help get our uh, our, this podcast out there and uh, ranked uh, as well. And so we're just excited that more and more people are finding it each week. And uh, we're, yeah. we're, the feedback has been really encouraging. Hey, and Donna, how can they find you? You're an author. You've written great books. How do they find you?
1: Uh, well, my name, donnavanleer.com and um, I'm on Facebook. That's really about the only social media I do. And I've been told I don't do it well. Um, you do a medium, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But I am there under my name as well.
0: Yeah, and honestly, one of the, be- one of the best reasons for our church name, which I didn't know it at the time, because it's a pretty dumb name for a church, but one of the, is that no one else really has that name. So we're pretty easy to find because nobody else is <laughs> dumb enough yeah, to name a exactly. church. Conduit Church. But uh hey.
1: right, and I would always I would always say, because you ask how we should end this, and i I would end again that if anyone has any questions about how to be mm. in Christ, to yes. reach out to the church to to reach out to any of us, because I do believe that that Jesus is calling his true church, he is calling his true church. And because the Bible says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So we know there's going to be many people sitting in church seats who aren't going to be in heaven. And I do believe he is raising up that true church. So if anyone wants to know how to be in Christ, just to reach out to to the church, to to any of us.
0: Yeah, that's great, Donna. Thank you. Info at conduitchurch.com. Uh, that actually goes right to Mo's inbox and he can get you to where you need to go. That's a, a great way to end it because there are people here and around the world that maybe just listen to what this is. And you might think, well, how do I know if I'm victorious? Like, how do I know if I'm, uh, email us and we will have somebody get in touch with you, uh, pronto on that. So thank you guys. And we will be back next Wednesday. Uh, if you're in the Nashville area, you're invited to join us this Sunday, uh i'll be back in revelation chapter two teaching uh, this sunday morning july whatever that date is so okay god bless you guys